We make USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. Book four. When Rapunzel saw the prince, she fell over him and began to weep, and her tears dropped into his eyes. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloane. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, welcome to episode 89 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. This episode is brought to you by Ramping Crew patron supporters. Thank you. Today we have a Ramping Crew patron supporter, Miss Brittany, and we are going to discuss Crest Chapter 43. Brittany, do you want to introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about you and your journey with Marissa Meyer? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so when I first found Marissa Meyer, it was kind of, uh, I would like to say a situation where the universe kind of forced me to, um, when I first moved out of my parents' house, I always had to go to the library to use internet cause you know, I just moved out. I couldn't afford internet. Um, so I had to go there anytime I had to like apply for jobs or anything, but I'm at a library. So of course I'm going to walk around and, and look at stuff. And, uh, so I always walked past, um, this section where they would put like books that were recommended by, uh, either somebody that did an event at the library or like a librarian or like something like that. And they always had like Cinder or Scarlet up there. And for some reason I was like not paying attention to it. Cause I just, it was always also like by twilight because the way the last names line up on this section yeah. and so I was like oh like I I don't need to read that but then I just kept seeing it everywhere I went I went to Barnes and Noble and I saw it and it was always like a recommended like you need to read this if you like this and I'm like you know what I'll just read the first one come <laughs> to think of it the the covers are kind of similar too because they're like minimalist black with like one with like one thing right like what I mean. So it's like I kind of get that being like Meyer Myers, the covers are similar, it's YA being like, eh. Right. Right. And so my brain was like, oh, you probably wouldn't like this. And it was like the dumb thing of like, no, you're judging a book literally by its cover. <laughs> so I was like, I just keep seeing this book. If I read this book, then I will stop seeing this book because that's just how life works. Like if you're like being shown something to me, I'm like, okay, I either need to acknowledge it or I'm going to keep being shown this thing. So I get the book and I read a couple chapters and then I just couldn't stop. So then I ended up finishing Cinder that night and went to the library the next day and picked up Scarlet, Cress, and then I believe I had to wait for winter. And that was the hardest thing ever because after this book, I'm just like, what do I do with my life? Like after Cress... I, I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. I didn't want to read these books at first at all. And now I like, I can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get that. Cause it's, I feel like that every time Marissa releases a new book, cause she basically releases a new book every November. And then sometimes she does more. Mm-hmm. And so like, every time I finish a book of hers, I'm like, I can't believe I have to wait another year. Like, what am I supposed to do for the next 11 months and 28 days? Oh yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. And and it's so funny um the way like it happened also I was like I just moved out here and like I had 
like I said, no internet. So I had like movies and like I had books that I had already read, but I didn't really have anything new, which is another reason I would always like walk around the library looking for something new that catches my interest. And it was just kind of funny the way the universe literally threw me into Marissa Meyer's like <laughs> arms essentially in a moment where I like really needed to find something new to keep me busy in, in a time where I didn't really have anything to do other than read. <laughs> So, and that's one of the greatest things about literature is finding a new author and being like, ah, like people who find Marissa now, it's like you guys have like 14 books to read. <laughs> They've got a, a really long roller coaster where most of us had like little like spurts of like, okay, we got this roller coaster, we're going, we're going, we're going. And then we got to wait like 11 months. Yeah. <laughs> where they have like, you know, a, a good marathon before they have to wait. <laughs> And we're not in the middle of a series, so they're not waiting for Supernova with, like, anxiety <laughs> chills for a year the way that we were. Right. Well, winter, for that matter. Yeah, that, that's really, like, I'm a little envious of that in a way. Like, I wish I could go back and read them for the first time because I love them so much. I almost feel like I want to experience that again. I want to experience the first time of reading these books again. Oh, so true. But you know what? That's what I think I've noticed with the podcast is that it's kind of like that because I'm paying so much close attention to each and every tiny little detail. Whereas before I was just like reading it for enjoyment. Now I'm like, ooh, yeah. did I notice that before? I feel like I didn't notice that before. Yeah. It's almost like you're looking at it with like just a different set of eyes. Like you're dissecting yeah. it in a way that you pretty much are reading it for the first time over because of how different it is the way like the podcast goes through it it's really cool absolutely do you remember how you found the podcast um so I kind of go through these um like moments where because at my work I'm pretty much listening to an audiobook or a podcast the entire day because I work alone and it's really like easy. I need to have something to keep my brain busy. Um, so I'll go through moments where I'll try and find like four or five podcasts to add to my backlog so that I have something to listen to. And I was always so bummed because I had Potterless and I had a couple other like book podcasts, but I was like, I don't have anything of Marissa Meyer still. Like, why does no one know about this? And so I was constantly, like, checking every time I did one of my little searches. I would always kind of peek and see, has anyone picked up on this yet? Is anyone else on this bandwagon yet? Like, is anyone else ready? Um, And then I think it was really early on. I think probably, like, episode six or something that I finally found you guys on one of my searches. I was like oh my god, this is going to be so good. (laughs) I'm like, finally, I found somebody. (laughs) What I think is funniest about that is that is exactly why I started the podcast, because I wanted one, and I was so tired of there not being one that I was like, fine, I'll just do my own. And so the whole reason that you found the podcast is the reason that I created the podcast. (laughs) Right? It's once again, it's the universe lining up to make it work. Like, it's like, you want this? Well, we'll finally give it to you. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Do you, What are you um, reading at the moment? So I right now I'm reading, uh, technically listening to, because I do a lot of my reading through audiobooks, but I'm reading mm-hmm. uh, Queen of Nothing by Holly Black. Ooh, I'm about to start Cruel Prince, like, later this week, hopefully. It is is becoming one of my favorite series. I'm really into the series. Um, So I'm like, I feel like everyone should like 
like it, but I also understand that some people that I recommend books to are like, you're, you're nuts. This is too much. <laughs> there yeah, are definitely moments. <laughs> but I, I think it's such an interesting world um, with the descriptions that they give you of like how the Fae world works. It, I'm really excited to see how you think about it. Um, I started to read it. Um, and then I had, I had just finished an 11 book fantasy series that took place in a fantasy world and was very complicated. And, you know, you kind of had, there was a lot of moving pieces and there was even a map that I was trying to follow. And so when I first started to read it, I was like this, I'm getting everything confused. So I took a break. I was like, I need a fantasy break. So I've been reading like just random romance novels that are just like three or 400 pages that have like basically no stakes, no fantasy. It's just like contemporary. It's basically like a Hallmark movie basically. So I'm trying to clear, cleanse my palate before I jump into a new fantasy world because I could already feel it like blending together. And I was like, no, I've had so many people recommend this series. Like I want to really enjoy it for what it is and not be like just one fantasy world over another. Oh yeah. That's something I'm definitely guilty of is like one of my favorite genres is just fantasy. Like if I can dive into this world and it's nothing like that I can relate to like my life. It's like all just, you know, magic and just so mystical. I love that. Cause I really like being able to kind of um, escape into like the fantasy. Um, but I do see that sometimes I catch myself kind of blending things together um, because fantasy elements can be kind of similar. So I do think that that's something I need to get better at is kind of cleansing my palate and just switching up yeah, genres sometimes. It can be very complicated sometimes. I mean, and like I said, this was an 11 book series that all took place in the same fantasy world. There was a lot of magic to keep track of. There were a lot of characters to keep track of with 11 books. Um, like there's probably all together, I would say like 50 to 75 characters that you're trying to keep track of. And some of them are like really mundane and don't matter, but that's almost worse because then you're like, wait, who's that again? Right. Yeah. You know, that that's, that's always so hard. Like, um, yeah, just whenever I start a series, sometimes I catch myself like listening, um, but not really knowing like, wait, who, who, who's doing this now? Is this yeah. important? Do I need to be remembering this? Yeah. It's definitely like that sometimes. And while I enjoyed this 11 book series, this is a timeless fairy tale series by KM Shay. Um, it's definitely like all consuming. And so I was like, okay, I, I basically finished a book and then like 10 minutes later picked up the cruel prince. And I got through that like prologue and I was like, I'm already starting to confuse like the different versions of similar mythical creatures and worlds. Like I definitely need a palate cleanser. And then on top of that, like I started crocheting a new project and watching the Tangled series, which is surprisingly <laughs> addictive. So I've been kind of like binge watching Tangled series while I crochet. So, <laughs> so I haven't actually haven't read anything in like three days. Oh. Which is a lot for me. I'm normally reading like a good two or three hours a day, if not more. Yeah. I, with the, 
holiday break, I haven't been listening to anything. So to get to sleep, I feel like I don't have anything to kind of digest while I'm laying down. So I've had to listen to my audiobook for a half hour before I go to sleep because I'm not working right now because of the break. So I'm like, what do I do with myself? I can't really think about what's happening in my book because I didn't listen to any more of my books. So then I had to like start listening to it. Otherwise, I could not sleep. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. So I have a couple announcements. One, I found a new podcast. <laughs> we majored in English for this, question mark. And I've enjoyed the few episodes I've listened to. They cover the first four books in the Lunar Chronicles. So I encourage everyone to go check it out. And then the other announcement. Hold on. I just got this thing. I'm going to do my drum roll, please. Oh, that's the wrong drum. Did you guys hear that? Could you hear that? Yeah, I could hear it. It was supposed to be a drum roll, and instead it was like the like, play after a joke. <laughs> I'm actually going to leave that in there because that's hilarious. And I will enter a drum roll later on. <laughs> but I have an announcement. I'm going to do a giveaway. I ended up with two copies of the new paperback editions of Cinder for Christmas because one of them was the individual book and my in-laws bought me the box set of all of them. So I am going to do a listener exclusive giveaway. This will not be posted anywhere on the internet. Okay. I might tell people like, Hey, go listen to this episode for a major announcement, but this is a listener exclusive giveaway. I am going to fill out the book and write in all the Easter eggs. I'm going to highlight my quotes. I'm going to write the, I came up with a sender playlist for Patreon for each chapter. So I'll write those in there. I will probably underline the gloves just because we had so much fun with that. And then I'll write like a welcome note at the beginning of it. And I'll probably toss in a few Prince Kaithan pod stickers and bookmarks too. And everyone who enters will get a digital download bookmark. So you'll have that even if you don't win the major giveaway. How do you enter? Pretty simple. Email princekaithampod at gmail.com and say, I want to enter this Cinder giveaway from episode 89. Okay? Or whatever episode you hear it on. Because I'm, I think I'm going to run this. This episode should come out mid-January. And I'm going to run this until the end of February. So I'll do the drawing like March 1st. So I hope I explained that really well. Please just email me and say, hey, I want to enter the giveaway that you mentioned on the episode. This is my email. And um, I will do a drawing. And like I said, everyone who emails me, you'll automatically get like a thank you for entering. I'll write your name on my list. And then I'll send you a digital bookmark that you can use from Prince Kai Thampod. And then the major winner will get the book. Did I explain all that okay? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I just ramble. I mean, better to over-explain than under-explain. Yes, definitely. So I'm really excited about this one because it's listeners only. So I'm not going to post it on Instagram. I'm not going to post it on Facebook. I want it to be specifically for people who actually listen to the podcast. That being said, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm recording this New Year's Eve 2020. Hopefully it's a better future. (laughs) Um, if you're listening to the podcast in like 2022, keep listening. I do giveaways a lot. So don't don't freak out that like you missed an opportunity and none will ever come up again because it will. I promise. <laughs> okay, now that that's out of the way, I do have a listener message that we're going to talk about, which I'm excited about. 
This is from Sushi Bean 14 on Instagram. Hi, I was listening to this week's episode, and I heard that you were wondering where all of Dr. Erlon's money came from. I just wanted to tell you how I always imagined it. I always thought that while working at the palace, he set up a secret account for himself for the day he would find Princess Celine and help her reclaim her throne. He seemed to know how to set up a secret bank account for Cinder, and we know that the cyborg draft gave the family's money. I wouldn't be surprised if he was slowly stealing money for when he had to leave. I love the podcast. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. So thank you for messaging. Thank you for loving the podcast, because I appreciate that. And happy holidays to you, too. Brittany, what are your thoughts on this theory? I think that's a really good theory. I think that's probably what I've always thought. I never really, like, when I was first reading it, never really thought about a lot of the stuff that the podcast talks about. So I'm definitely, like, looking at it from a different eye. And I think I just unquestionably was like, yeah, why wouldn't he have money? Somehow he figured it out because he figured out how to find the princess. (laughs) Absolutely. I I definitely could see Dr. Erlon skimming from the top (laughs) to, to suit his own agenda. That makes perfect sense to me. Um, The cyborg draft, I do want to remind everyone, has only been going on for a year, though. So I'm not sure. And you can look that up in Sender. Should I look it up just to prove it so nobody else has to get up? I'll grab Sender. I'll I'll do the work for you guys. So Sender, book one. I feel very dramatic because I just opened the page. And it was page 15 where it's like, the play! (laughs) Okay, page 29. The cyborg draft had been started by some royal research team a year ago. Page 28 and 29 of Cinder. So it's been a year. So I think he must have been skimming money off the top beforehand. I don't know. I definitely could see him getting said money in a shady way. Yeah, he he definitely just orchestrated to do like whatever he needed to do to make it work. Absolutely. So I 100% agree with this theory. I think it's definitely canon now. And thank you very much, Sushi14, Sushi, sorry, Sushi Bean 14 for sending that to us. So now we're going to talk about some fan art from January 15th, which is my cousin's birthday. So happy birthday. It's my birthday um, as well. It's whose birthday? My birthday as well. Happy birthday. <laughs> fan art Friday, happy birthday. So this is of Jacin. It's from Adam. AR art on Instagram. I gotta say, I really like this one. I love the detail in like his his jawline and his Adam's apple. I love his hair being long enough to put in a ponytail because I always pictured it that long. I love the little crescent moon on the lapel collar of his uniform. It's just this is just very well done. Yeah, I've always imagined him to have a very angular face. And so I think this really is like very close to how I imagined him while I was reading the book. Very long hair, you know, um, very angular jaw. It's it's amazing. Very like strong and edgy features. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree. I think that's how I always pictured him as well. Perhaps because his personality bleeds through to like his appearance, but that's definitely how I always pictured him as well. Yeah. Yeah. So big thank you for sharing that with us. And you can check out more of his art on Instagram. The second one is from Cosmic Nova Flare. You guys know how much I love her. She also recently joined Patreon, which I'm super excited about. So, um, this is of Aiko, and I love it so much. Her beautiful blue braids are in the bun that she's supposed to wear um, later on. Never mind. I can't say that. But 
forgot I read that chapter, but we haven't covered it yet. <laughs> but I don't think it's too much of a spoiler that later on she has her hair in a bun. Okay. Um, but I love the like varied colors of the blue in her hair, the different like shades of blue. I love that her eyebrows are also blue. I think that's awesome. And I, I love just every single solitary thing about this. What did you think? I, I love it because I love the contrast of the blue, like up against her like deep skin in this. Like I just love that look in general. Um, and I like the fact that, like you said, they also made her eyebrows blue. It just makes it really cohesive. Yeah. <laughs> that was so great. I love it. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of Cosmic Nova Flare. I share her work all the time. She's constantly posting. Um, like more so than I could ever keep up with. So I definitely encourage everyone go check out her Instagram and just go down the rabbit hole. It's very nice. It's very pleasant to look at. Last week, Patreon members voted for chapter titles. Chapter 42 is is titled The Kids Are All Right by Fallout Boy. And here we go. Ready. Yay. Chapter 43. Last week, we left off Scarlet was being tortured on Luna for information about Cinder and the Rampian crew. Now we're starting book four. Do you have your book with you? I do. Do you want to go ahead and read book four quotes? Since you're my guest, you can read the book four. Absolutely. Book four. When Rapunzel saw the prince, she fell over him and began to weep, and her tears dropped into his eyes. Oh, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. So beautiful. It's so good. We love Rapunzel in my house. So anytime, maybe that's probably why Cress is my favorite book, but Cress is my favorite character because I relate to her like on a very emotional level. (laughs) (laughs) I love anytime we can kind of like connect like versions of the same fairy tale. I think that's one of the reasons why I love like fairy tale adaptations so much because Rapunzel and Tangled and Cress are also similar in like so many little ways. And this is a, a good like example of that um, because at the end of Tangled, there are moments where uh, Rapunzel's weeping and things happen. So, <laughs> well, everyone go watch Tangled because at the end of this book, we're going to do a Tangled episode. So, you have until like March, but I, I still encourage you to do so because it's really good. So, we're in Cress's perspective. Dr. Erland is examining Thorne's eyes. I love this like character trait that he's like humming to himself while he's doing this examination. And I love the character trait that Thorne is just like an impatient, annoying patient. Like, <laughs> I could see it kind of being unnerving from Thorne's perspective because he's like, I can't see what's going on. Are we humming because we're just trying to fill like empty space and not let me know that I'm doomed or what's going on here? <laughs> well, I could also see Thorne being impatient because he's like, dude, can you fix it or not? Like, this is really stressful for me and now I finally get to find out if it's broken or what so please <laughs> definitely so Dr. Aralon says that he <laughs> this part cracks me up but only because I'm like a really snarky person but Dr. Aralon is like okay I figured it out you are blind because you hit your head and I'm like yeah we kind of already knew that but yeah. <laughs> I could just imagine Thorne being like, thank you, Captain Obvious. Now, Ed, right. what does that mean for me? <laughs> thank you, Dr. Obvious. But we already figured that one out. 
<laughs> I mean, I guess like they know now he's saying like, oh, it was caused by pressure buildup. And it's like, it doesn't really matter what it was caused by because we're not doctors. <laughs> we know that he hit his head. And Thorne cuts in. He's like, dude, can you fix it? And I, I completely agree with Thorne. Like, we don't care about the logistics. And we already know that it happened because he smacked his head. What's important to us is, can you fix it? Can he not be blind? That would be super helpful. And the doctor is, like, insulted. He's like, of course I can. He's like, why would you doubt me? As if we were supposed to know, like, his ability just by him being a doctor. Like, Thorne doesn't really know Erland. And Erland's like, no, you must know I am prestigious enough to be able to fix this. That's why I don't care. I am humming and I am relaxed. And Thorne's like, I'm not. Something I just noticed, like just now while we're talking, is that the doctor says, of course I can. And later in the chapter, Cress also is like, of course, when they're asking, do you remember this code? Can you do this? Do you know where the escape tunnels go? She constantly says, of course. Of course they are. Of course I do. Of course I do. So this a little like Cress and daddy that she doesn't know is her daddy connection i guess i don't know it i just noticed it so i wanted to point it out oh yeah that is really interesting it's it's like a a foreshadowing that i definitely didn't notice the first time i didn't notice it either and patreon members can attest my notes are pretty detailed so the fact that i pay that close attention and still didn't notice stuff like that just shows how much is in these books so the doctor says that he can fix it he is going to collect bone marrow from Thorne's pelvis and use stem cells to create a solution that can be applied to his eye. Um, I need to know, but also did no research on, if this is accurate information. Yeah. If you can use bone marrow to create stem cells and those stem cells can be used to cure things. Or if Marissa was just like, this sounds medical enough, Sure. Like, I don't know if Marissa was like, I've seen Grey's Anatomy, I can wing it. Or if she, like, <laughs> actually did, like, a month of research to figure out if this was accurate or not. She's like, medical thing turns to medical thing turns to solution. Okay, that doctor can I, say like, that. It sounds legit to me. I buy it. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm no doctor, so I'll believe him. <laughs> I'm just very curious if anyone knows medically or not whether or not this is a legit... I'm not saying it's possible. I'm not saying, like, op- that this is proven science and we can definitely do it. I'm just curious if anyone knows, does this make enough sense that it could work in the future? Okay. That's all I'm care about. Anyways. <laughs> I love that he says ganglion. And for some reason that word like really freaks Thorne out. I, I kind of agree with Thorne though. Like ganglion is just kind of, it's one of those words that especially coming from a medical professional, you're just like, I don't know what part of me that is, but I don't really want to ask. <laughs> That's like cringy. <laughs> there are any words that like cringe me out, but I know people have an issue with like the word moist, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just yeah, along those timelines for me as like mucous membranes and just like stuff that seems very like inner body medical. I'm just like, if I start thinking about that a little too much, I start thinking about my body and like how it works. And then I, I'm just like, Oh, that's, it just gets me all like squeamish and feel weird. (laughs) I think that I've become a little desensitized because I taught preschool for so long. Like the amount of grossness that comes out of children in terms of like snot and, and 
mess and ex like they vomit and just their kids are gross. Okay. I love them, but they are gross. And I think dealing with that for three years, like I'm so desensitized to yucky stuff now. Like, Oh yeah, that, that'll do it. <laughs> it's just that I can tolerate it a lot better. But it turns out that I stuff weirds him out. And he's like, so for the pelvic surgery, you can knock me out, right? Like, do it fast. So Thorne thinks this is happening right this second. <laughs> like, in Thorne's mind, the doctor is going to do all of this right this second that you could, that they're having this conversation and the doctor is just going to take out bone marrow and make it into a solution and, and in the middle of this, like, random hotel room and boom, cured. It's like, oh yeah, this random hotel room, you'll have everything to be able to not only knock me out, but perform this surgery and make the thing, and once I wake up, I'll be fine. That's kind of what my thing is, like, I I get to a certain extent, like, that that's what they're doing, is they're talking about what they're going to do to fix it, but also, they are in a random dusty hotel room in the middle of the desert, like, resources are slim, time is slim, we don't know, like, Surgery in general, usually there's more than one person involved. So is all of this going to be the doctor? I don't know. Right. And normally it's a more sanitary location that's sterilized a certain way. and <laughs> Especially like with a plague going around, I feel like sanitization is important. Right. Like if we've learned anything in 2020. <laughs> do you want to accidentally get the plague in your eye? Because that's what's going to happen if you have surgery in a random hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> So the doctor is like, okay, you won't need to be knocked out. You just need a localized numbing agent, but I can't do this without a proper lab. And Thorne is like, ooh, can I get cyborg ones instead? Is that easier? Because I want x-ray vision. And I immediately in my notes, I wrote, gross, this would totally frustrate Patreon member Sarah. Oh, yeah. Because Sarah is very anti <laughs> <laughs> So Sarah would read that and be like, see, you guys, he's gross. <laughs> I think it just shows like his kind of more juvenile side. He's like, you know, if it can't be done right now, I'm impatient. Can we just do cyborg ones? I mean, there could be like positives. Like I could see, you know, things, x-ray vision. Um, right. Which if we want to like look at it from the criminal aspect, x-ray vision would be helpful. You could see like what's inside a safe or someone's pocket or something, you know? Oh yeah. He could definitely like, um, kind of weigh his chances of like is that worth it because I can now see what's what's in it I'm not gonna waste my time on a safe that's like just something sentimental to somebody right exactly I totally I totally agree so the doctor is like yeah that would be like way easier not <laughs> if nothing else Thorne do you really think in an area where he doesn't have the utent like the needed instruments to fix your eyes the normal way he happens to have a couple of cyborg eyeballs lying around okay yeah you know he just has them in his back pocket all the time the doctor's always got to be prepared for Thorne <laughs> <laughs> right so Chris is like but they can be fixed and that's what matters so we'll figure something out she gets the feeling that the doctor does not like Thorne why do we, as the reader, think that the doctor doesn't like Thorne? Do, do we think it's just because, like, it's obvious that Cress is obsessed with him? Maybe it could be, like, something along the lines of, like, um, Thorne being that kind of young. Um, I always kind of pictured him almost as, like, um, a frat 
kid like he's like 20 something like he just <laughs> likes to you know do whatever uh doesn't have a care in the world and the doctor's very like structured and very like no like I put this plan in I found the princess like I'm doing all this work and now somehow I'm stuck with you who doesn't have a care type of yeah like, <laughs> I completely agree the doctor doesn't necessarily approve of who Cinder chooses as her allies yeah <laughs> Although he can't be too upset because it did lead him to finding Chris and knowing that she's alive. So there's that. Also, it frustrates me that he hasn't told her yet. Oh, yeah. But it reminds me of like when he was like, I'll wait until the last second to tell Cinder she's Lunar. And then I'll wait till the very last second to tell her she's the princess. It's like, you need to tell people things. <laughs> yeah. I, it's almost like you didn't realize how that kind of created problems last time because then the person didn't have enough time to process what they were finding out. And so then they had to just, Cinder just had to be like, okay, I, I got to roll with it. I don't have a choice. Um, but she didn't really have like the ability to process like what he was telling her. Um, and I feel like he's just doing the same thing again because he didn't learn from last time. He's just holding it off. And then what is his plan? Like when he does tell her, is she going to have time to process like what's happening? Or is it going to be one of those right. moments where she's just going to have to accept it and move on with whatever she's doing (laughs) i get that it's like awkward and how do you approach that and emotional like how do you deal with that but at the same time it's like just give people the information they need you know right just start having those conversations exactly exactly so The doctor has yet to meet Cress's eye since they met, and she thinks it's because he's ashamed about purchasing her for her blood, as he should be, um, and that he hasn't, and that she hasn't forgiven him. And she's kind of uncertain how she feels about the rest of the Rampian crew too, especially Wolf because he's terrifying, which I get, right? Like her, she knows about the LSOPs. She knows what they did, what they're capable of. He obviously has a temper. And it says it makes her hair prickle. I definitely see Cress um, from, like, her perspective. She hasn't been around Wolf. She doesn't know, like, the good that can come from him, per se. She's only seen a lot of, like, the newscasts of the LSOP completely wreaking havoc and, like, seeing... um, things from the lunar perspective as well like how they're genetically modified and like the monsters that they are she doesn't see the good yet because she doesn't know him yet and, and let's not forget that a couple chapters ago he did have he did like pick her up by the throat and stuff so it's he's not entirely innocent oh in yeah his like, interactions with her yeah he definitely isn't making a good impression in that sense <laughs> yeah. and it says that like he hasn't spoken since they left africa He's just been, like, sitting in the corner, staring at the pilot's empty seat. Um, wh- oh, my God. That was such a hard sentence to read. Like, that he's just staring at the seat where Scarlet would have been, just, like, looking mopey and sad. Or he's cra- he's pacing while cradling a can of tomatoes. <laughs> like, which is the most cheesy, pathetic thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it is so sad because it's it's so animalistic the way, like, um, if you've ever had a pet that has like problems when um, you leave, you kind of see like this type of uh, relationship. Like they just they get sad and they'll find your sweater, or you know they'll they'll get upset and they'll like tear something up. Like 
the attachment that he has for her is such a different connection it because yeah. it's almost animalistic at times and i want to point out because i don't know if i've said this before or not but when my husband was deployed a few years ago we didn't have bailiff yet it was just me and scamp and Quentin left in winter, but ended up staying there well through the summer months. And so he ended up shipping back a lot of his winter clothes in this giant, like, tote. And Scamp jumped in the tote and just laid there, like, sniffing it because it smelled like Quentin. And it was the cutest slash saddest thing ever. Um, so it's definitely, like, an animalistic behavior. And then, you know, we have this whole weird thing where Wolf is, like, half human, half animal. Um, and his relationship with Scarlet is like somewhere blended into those elements of animal and human. So yeah, it's it's definitely within character for him to be like attached to this random can of tomatoes because it's the only thing that makes him think of her and staring at the chair where she's supposed to sit. Again, my husband gets home every day at like 4.10. So from like four until he actually comes home, the dogs are staring out the window, just like waiting. And heaven forbid he's late, because then they just start crying, yeah. like, trying to figure out where he is. <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things where I definitely can see where Cress is coming from, being scared. And we obviously have the privilege of being the reader, and we just know that he's, like, just really upset about Scarlet. But Cress doesn't know that. He's just, like, a gigantic animal man who is just angry and then sad and then angry, and he's just a ticking time bomb in her eyes. I would be afraid of him, too. <laughs> Well, and also all we know is that like him and Scarlet have a relationship from Cress's perspective, right? Like she doesn't know that they have this weird primal connection that goes like far beyond love. Like it's, it develops, it's like in, enveloped in like animal hormones and pheromones and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, she doesn't even know the level of connection that the two of them have because it goes beyond boyfriend, girlfriend or crush or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I completely agree. But it, it is really heartbreaking to visualize this while you're reading it, especially him, like, laying in her bed. Like, he's clearly devastated over her loss. And Cress does say that she pities him, but that she fears him more than she pities him. Which, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't like Jacin. Because, well, one, I think uh, he could have helped her and totally didn't for, like, years. So that kind of makes him not cool. He's also smug, silent, rude, and prickly. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, but he is home now. As I, as I said, he walks in and he's like, hello. Uh, <laughs> what do you think of this description of Jacin that he's smug, silent, rude, and prickly? I, I think it, um, going back to what we were talking about about the fan art, it's very on brand for him very like um kind of edgy in like a kind of like if it doesn't pertain to like what my um path is that I'm like working towards I'm just kind of like um standoffish yeah very self-motivated yeah very like kind of self-obsessed or self-absorbed um very abrasive as cinder called him he is pretty abrasive oh yeah that's a really good word to describe like the way he's acting with just someone who he has no reason to kind of if anything he should kind of feel bad that he let her just be in that satellite for so long knew that she was in there and 
never tried to help her because it didn't benefit him in any way um, right. to kind of go out of his way for that. Right. And that's not something that's easy to forgive people for. Yeah. So she also doesn't like the escort droid with her. I love this. I think I'm just going to read this whole thing because I absolutely love Cress's hatred of this droid with her master this and master that. And would you like me to wash your feet and give you a nice foot rub? Master. Like, I love Cress's hatred of this. It's an escort droid. You can just hear her inner monologue um, just being so snarky and sassy. Like, no, why? (laughs) Right when she's thinking this, the escort droid runs in, screams captain, and goes, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's the best present anyone has ever given me. And you're the best captain in the whole wide galaxy. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And she kisses him right on the face, ignoring his complete struggles. And I, Cinder goes, Ico, let them in, breathe. I love this. Ico has a body. Oh, I know. This is so exciting. It's one of those things that is really fulfilling to finally reach the point where Ico goes from being just this tiny little, little android in the beginning to, like, what she always wanted was, like, a very customizable, very, like can wear her fancy dresses and can look like very fashionable like Aiko wants. And I, first off, I want to say Becca is supposed to be on next week's episode, assuming life doesn't get in the way. So of course we're going to have a lot of fun talking about Aiko's new body. Um, So I'm sure she's ecstatic reading this chapter. And second of all, everyone, please take a moment to thank Marissa Meyer's editor, because Marissa was going to kill Iko off in Cinder and never bring her back. And her editor convinced her to bring Iko back. And so that's why Iko was the ship. And now she has this body and she's a part of the Ranthian crew. And I love it so much. Iko is one of my absolute favorite characters. Um, so just a big thank you to Marissa's editor for convincing her to bring our girl back. Every time Marissa talks about that, I'm like, girl, how did you not know we were going to love this, like, hyper-energetic, super-happy, bubbly person? <laughs> yeah, like, Ico definitely brings, like, the light in, in times where sometimes it's really intense, and then you get a bit of Ico, and you're like, okay, I can breathe for a second, because Ico's here. She's she's going to make it better. <laughs> I, in the first book, said that Ico was a metallic ball of sunshine, and I still think so. She is... The like, like you said, she's the light. She's const the constant source of happiness and energy that we need in this series, especially like right now. Like Cress is freaking out about Wolf and all the other Rampion crew members. Thorn is blind and is all grumpy that he has to get his eyes fixed. We don't know what they're doing, but they just left behind a huge mess of military and everything in Africa, and now they're like orbiting space trying to figure stuff out. And here's Aiko just like, oh my god, I am so pretty. Look at my new body. I am gorgeous. I love it so much. She gets 40 different eye colors, and she wants metallic gold ones, which makes me super happy. And Thorne is like, uh, who's running this ship? So she switched it to Darla. I love, <laughs> again, Crest gags at the thought of Darla pleasing her master. <laughs> she has two things to hate. She has the android body to hate, which she still associates with Darla, and the ship, which actually is Darla now. 
I think it works out so well. Um, not for Chris in this situation, because no matter what, she still has to, like you said, see the body that she associates with Darla. And then Darla's the ship. She's like, well, I can't really run away from the ship that I'm in. <laughs> but it works out so well with Thorne being so obsessed with his ship. And now his ship is so equally obsessed with him. <laughs> Absolutely. I completely agree. 100%. Darla is, like, ready to serve the captain, which Thorne loves. This is the Novel Universe with your hostesses, Dawn and Ashley. We rate and review the newest and most buzzworthy books. We are true book club ladies that don't always agree, but we do enjoy a good book discussion. You can find the Novel Universe on Apple, Spotify, and Google, where we post new episodes twice a month. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. So grab your favorite beverage and join our universe. Cinder is like, okay, team meeting. We have a lot to discuss. So I do love that they're like having a Rampian crew meeting. <laughs> so they're all assembled in the cargo bay. Iko is like staring at her toes. <laughs> She's just mesmerized by her toes, which I love. The wedding is in four days, and we can't let Lavana be empress because the coronation is legally binding, so we need to figure something out. They were going to uh, just interrupt the wedding and dethrone her, but now we're going to try to get to Luna. This is, this is their plan now. This is what Cinder's talking to them about. They want to go to Luna and convince the people to rebel against her and crown a new monarch. Um, and she thinks that she has a way to get up there without being seen. All they have to do is kidnap the groom. And in case anyone forgot who the groom was, Emperor Kai. So all they have to do is kidnap Emperor Kai. Just, just one little That's detail. We gotta, you know, kidnap a monarch, you know. <laughs> I also love that part where she's like, she tells everybody that she has a plan and she's like, I think I can pull it off and get us up there without anyone being seen. It starts with kidnapping the groom. And it just goes dead quiet. <laughs> Everyone is silent. It's all awkward. And then I love Aiko. She raises her hand. Yes, Aiko. That is the best idea ever. I love it. Aiko's like, hell yeah, let's go kidnap the groom. This is awesome. How canon do you think in your brain it is, is it that Aiko's probably just thinking about how excited she is to show Kai her new body? 100% Aiko is like, yes. Now he's not going to see me as this little grungy, dirty android with, with t- tire treads and extendable arms. He's going to see me as this hot chick. I can't wait for him to see my body. Exactly. Like, 100%. 100% Aiko is like, hell yeah, not only do I get to see Kai, but he gets to see how hot I am. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> I think as the ship, she still would have been excited for like Kai to be around, but this is definitely like, uh, like influenced by now that they're going to see each other again, she gets to look hot this time. <laughs> exactly. Because remember, she said they had a connection when they met the first time. She's she's hoping her <laughs> metallic gold eyes really woo him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Cinder says she needs their help. They need supplies, invitations, costumes. They need to figure out where Kai is because they don't have a tracking number for him. Cress goes, well, why don't we just use Tom Karu? 
And I love that everybody stares at her like, who the hell is that? And she's like, oh, it's his secret tracking number, which, of course, she knows off the top of her head because she's just so amazing that she has this stuff memorized. I think this is so funny because very similar to how uh, Thorne and Cress were like listening to Erlen. He was talking about like all this medical stuff as if it was just common knowledge. And she's kind of doing the same thing. She's like, oh, well, don't you know his secret thing? Like, doesn't everyone? (laughs) Like, Cress, if everyone knew, it wouldn't be a secret. (laughs) Well, also, not necessarily that everyone should know, but perhaps the person who's like, I'm going to overthrow the queen and kidnap the groom should know a little something. Oh, and she definitely. totally doesn't know anything. She knows absolutely nothing. She's like, that so, should be part of your plan if you're going to, you know, have this plan actually execute. You're very right? confident about this plan. So you probably know this, right? <laughs> this chapter proves like how detrimental Cress is to this plan because without it, several things would have already fallen apart before they even get started. Because Cress also knows about these tunnels that they can use again again they're going to use these escape tunnels to get out you wouldn't happen to know where they lead would you of course she does i love that though i love that like they keep asking her like well do you happen to know this and she's like of course i do (laughs) so they're gonna sneak into the palace and get kai to trust them, and then they're going to run away. Jacin is going to pick them up on the rooftop. They're going to use the escape tunnels to get into the palace. And Cinder is like, well, I can't find any blueprints to these tunnels you're talking about. And Cress is like, well, they wouldn't be safe if everyone knew where they were. That's legit. Valid point. Very valid point. Now Wolf asks the big question with bloodshot eyes that look wild. How long until Luna... AKA, how long until he gets to Scarlet? This is heartbreaking. This, this is so weeks. hard to read. Yes. A couple weeks, maybe three. Ouch, it's already been so long. It's like you can feel almost in that moment that he had like hope and then it just all like shattered. He was like, yeah, no. (laughs) Because, I mean, that's literally, like, how I feel right now reading this. I'm just, I'm so upset by it. So then Thorne is like, aren't there medical labs, say, for magical eye-curing methods and needs? And Sanders like, uh, no. You're not coming with us to the party. But you need a diversion, right? So this is Thorne's contribution to the plan. When Cress takes out the security system, every guard in that palace is going to go running to one of two places, to the security control center to see what's going on, or to wherever their precious emperor is to make sure he's safe and sound. Unless there is another, even more obvious disturbance happening somewhere else in the palace. A big disturbance far, far away from you guys, like, say, in the medical labs. Obviously, (laughs) Thorne has pretty major selfish implications for wanting to go through with this like i don't know fixing his eyes but it's not a bad contribution to the plan it really isn't and it makes me wonder like what cinder's plan actually was because she was like oh i think i can do this but then she wouldn't have been able to do it without crest knowing his uh fence guy's like secret uh like ID number and without the secret tunnels, she wouldn't have been able to do it without um, Jason flying the ship. She wouldn't have been able to do it if 
like she might have actually been able to do it um, without the distraction, but it does make it a lot easier, like Thorne said, having something farther away that distracts people. So it makes me wonder what Cinder's original plan was. Right. I love this, though, because this is, again, this is Cinder realizing that she needs these people, because like you just said, what was she going to do without Cress's help with the tunnels and being able to block the security system and knowing the Emperor's extra tracking number? How was she going to get anywhere without Jacin flying the ship and being ready to, to, you know, be the getaway car? How was she going to do all of this without being seen if Thorne wasn't there to be her distraction? Like, she definitely needs all of these people that are there to help her. And, and I think that it's important to acknowledge the fact that she realizes that. Yeah. And I think, I wonder um, in her head, if she had the confidence because she knew these people were going to help her or if she had the confidence and had like, you know, some blind confidence in a way that it would happen. And blind confidence can be really helpful. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, she definitely can kind of rally everyone together, seeing, like, this meeting even happening. Like, she's rallying everyone together. So maybe she was just confident in in the fact that it would get figured out because she knew, like, the people that she has, like you said, will help her. Right. You just got to wing it sometimes. Yeah. So Jacin pops in. This is Jacin's contribution. Let's say you manage to pull this off. Not that I really think you will. You do understand that once Levana realizes what you've done, she's not going to sit around waiting for waiting to see what you do next, right? The ceasefire will be over. Yes, Justin, thank you for pointing out the obvious. Uh, <laughs> and Sender says, I do understand that. If we succeed, we'll be starting a war. Well, that's a little dramatic. This is where I started just going crazy like oh my god is this actually like where where the the end marathon happens because there's still a decent chunk of this book left but right (laughs) but we're already gonna start causing chaos and stuff i'm like oh my gosh there's still um like 200 pages left of this book okay 150 but that's still a lot of pages so I, I completely agree. So what was your chapter title for this week, for chapter 43? Uh, I chose Start a War by Clergy featuring Valerie Broussard. I don't know if I pronounced either of the uh, artists correctly, but I was looking through uh, a bunch of playlists for the Lunar Chronicles because I was like, I know there are plenty of songs that reference this part because it is kind of a point where they start something something's about to go down um and i just thought that this was so perfect because if they succeed they will be starting a war yeah that's a good one i chose um are you with me by 6 a.m which is one of my favorite songs um and i chose it because this is cinder asking everyone telling them her plan and telling them like are you gonna follow me are you with me are you gonna support me in this plan Um, And I I love that song, but some of the lyrics that I think translate well is, am I lost or am I found and are you with me? Come back from the dead. You've been inside my head for too long. Find the places that scare you. Come on, I dare you. Um, And it's just, it's literally all about like, we have to confront our fears. We have to confront the obstacles that are preventing us from reaching our goal. 
And are you going to do that with me? And I feel like that's kind of what Cinder's doing right now. Is she's just asking everybody to go along with her little plan. Like, like just sends as her crazy plan that probably isn't going to work. Or at least it might not work the way that she thinks it will. I guess we could say that. They never end up working the way you think they will. Right. <laughs> so what was your quote for chapter 43? My quote is on page 393. And it's the part where... Um, uh, everyone's talking and Wolf asks when they'll be on Luna and um, Cress is realized, she says, then she realized that there was a subtext to his question, one that everyone else had probably picked up on immediately, Scarlet. He really wanted to know how long before he could go after Scarlet. And I just love like Scarlet and Wolf's relationship because of how different it is, because of how the bond is like, he's so attached to her and so broken without her there. It, it was such a sad moment where my heart sank, but it was so interesting to see Cress kind of finally see that his motive was just, when, when are we going to get to Scarlet? I'll do whatever we need to, but when are we going to get to Scarlet? Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's also another moment where Cress is seeing the human side of him. She's been kind of... Um, She's been kind of blinded and only seeing the dangerous part, the wolf part, the LSOP part. And this is a humanizing moment that brings her back to these wolves, these animals are capable of more. Yeah. And and seeing kind of like the, the longing and, and the grief that he's kind of going through, like translates to like, like an actual humanistic emotion. Like he, he loves her. He wants her back. And he just wants to know when he can help the person that he loves, like, and find her. Absolutely. So my quote was, that is the best idea ever. Count me in. Page 389. I just love Aiko, you guys. I really do. And she's definitely the joy that we need in these ridiculously stressful chapters where we're talking about kidnapping and a war. And I love that Aiko is just like, whatever it has, if it has to do with kidnapping Kai, I'm definitely on board. Like, <laughs> I cannot wait to see him. Let's do it. I don't care about the consequences. I don't care how difficult it's going to be. I don't even care what the plan is. Like, let's just go get him. Just, I love that part of Aiko's personality that she's like in love with him. Aiko is the queen of Prince Kai fan club. Truly. If Cinder is the blind confidence um, in her team, Aiko is the blind happiness. No matter what's going on, she'll be like, no, we got this. Yes, yes. She is the, she's the hype man that they all need. She's like, come on, you guys, we can do it. She's the cheerleader. Exactly. Yeah. So for this week, there was one Easter egg. The bonus words, hair came up four times, tomatoes came up once, and captain came up three times. Next week, we will cover Crest chapters 44 and 45. Please rate, re- rate, review, and subscribe. Follow on Instagram and Facebook. And take a moment if you want to enter the Cinder book giveaway to email me at princekaifanpod at gmail.com. Brittany, where can everyone find you on social media if they would like to do so? Uh, I mean, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is at Kitty McPherson, K-I-T-T-Y-M-C-F-E-A-R-S-O-N. Um, I'm always in the Patreon chat. I'm just always checking a lot later than most people. So I'm on pretty late, but I'm always there working. Um, so if anyone's in that chat, I'll also be there. <laughs> 
hard to keep up with that chat sometimes. Oh yeah, I get on and there's <laughs> 70 messages and I'm like, okay, I gotta scroll back to see what everyone's talking about. Right, it's like by the time you finally get there, you're like, oh, I have a comment on that, but you guys are four conversations past it now, so. Right, and it's such a varied conversation. We'll go from talking about books we're reading or books we got for Christmas, and then the next conversation is about french fries. I know, there was like a huge tangent about food. I was like, you guys, I'm fasting. This is not healthy. <laughs> uh, thank you for coming on this week. I hope you had lots of fun. Oh, yeah, it was so much fun. Awesome. Everyone, please check out Patreon if you would like to be a guest like Brittany. Um, and, of course, there's more super fun perks on there. And uh, everyone, keep listening, keep reading. Welcome to 2021. I'm very hopeful that it'll be a much better year. Um, and until next time, don't get glamoured. Don't get glamoured. Bye. The passages read to you today are from Press by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Patreon member Brittany. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening. You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com.